You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Congress appears to be tinkering with the rules for IRA accounts. It's part of a crackdown on individuals with millions of dollars in their retirement accounts, tax-free. Will this affect you? I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. According to the Senate Finance Committee, the number of mega IRAs has grown substantially in the last decade. In 2011, there were about 8,000 taxpayers with about $5 million or more in their accounts. In 2019, the data shows more than 28,000 taxpayers had that much, and another 500 taxpayers with much more than that. The legislation has set off alarm bells among investors who use self-directed IRAs to buy real estate. On today's episode, Karen Hall joins me to talk about the proposed legislation and the changes that lawmakers are looking to adopt. She's the founder and CEO of UDirect IRA Services, which provides self-directed account management. She started the company in the midst of the Great Recession after the stock market crashed. She's been helping people move their retirement funds into self-directed IRAs ever since, so they can diversify and invest their retirement in things like real estate, land, startups, and more. Before that, she spent 20 years in mortgage banking, real estate, and property management. So, Karin, welcome back to The Real Wealth Show. Hey, Kathy. Great to see you. I wish I could say you were here for like really exciting conversation, but we're going to talk about laws <laughs> and stuff. And there was a big scare that uh, there was going to be huge limitations to our self-directed IRAs. Where does that stand now? Right. Well, you know, yeah, September 13th, the House Ways and Means Committee came out with these proposals that shocked even the industry. We even have lobbyists on the ground, you know, boots on the ground in D.C., and they had no idea that we were about we were going to see what they what they proposed. But what they did is they proposed some um, ideas that didn't fly. And so it was probably about a month after that, I think it was October 23rd, that they did uh, rescind some of those uh, provisions that would have really, really hampered IRAs in just an unfair way, in my opinion. So it was Section 138.312 that would have affected uh, people who invest or have to prove that they're accredited in order to invest uh, their IRA money. And also Section 138.314, that would have cut the knees off of people that have the um, checkbook IRA or IRA-owned LLC, as it's called. So those two provisions were removed also uh, by the House, by the House Ways and Means Committee, so or the House Rules Committee. So they knocked those things out of there. And then they're still mulling this around in the House, like what it's going to finally look like. Okay, so is it, but it's looking a little bit more positive now, right? Some of those provisions have been dropped. Yes, I think that when you negotiate, you don't come off with your best offer to start, you know? Okay. Yeah, there you go. So I'm thinking not, not, I don't want people who have IRAs to be scared of this. I think it was more negotiation uh, than anything because um, those were just crazy things and, and, uh, and they're gone and they were easy to omit. What, what they really wanted was to cap IRAs for these, you know, whatever big wigs that they think, um, the fat cats. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to it, um, in America, I did, I did a little research here, and it's only 156 people in the entire country who have IRAs worth 25 million or more. So it, it's not just Joe Average that this is about. Um, Joe Average, you know, has $157,000 in their IRA. That's most people. Uh, so what they're looking to do, obviously, is tax the rich. That's what we hear. Uh, so what the new, what they've kept into in this bill, 
uh, part of the Build Back Better Act, right, is um, is capping um, mega Roths, for example, and 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 perhaps completely eliminating uh, Roth conversions. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> what kind of concerns should self-directed IRA investors have today, or should we just not worry too much about it until the final vote <laughs> is in? I think we should wait till the final vote is in. Remember when we were kids and we watched Schoolhouse Rock, you know, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> that. Well, that's kind of what this is right now. It's just a bill on Capitol Hill. So it's going through the house and it's making its way. You know, they'd really, they'd like to have it wrapped up by Thanksgiving. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the session, the congressional session ends on December 10th. They'd probably like to have it completed before Congress recesses for the holidays. I don't think that's going to happen either. So these are a couple of deadlines uh, that Congress is looking at. Uh, but once the House decides what they're going to do and, and, and passes it, uh, then it'll go to the Senate. And then whatever is left over will go to um, go for signature. I just think they're really going to hammer away at a lot of these provisions because we don't want savers to be damaged. I think if somebody has a $5 billion Roth IRA, that they're not going to be harmed if they're not able to <laughs> have their money be tax-free. It's, you know, um, the people who have these really large IRAs, they did so because there was literally an act of Congress that let them do this, right? Mm. And that was uh, 10 years ago called TIPRA, the Tax Increase Reconciliation and Prevention Act, said that 2010 and thereafter, you can convert to Roth regardless of your income. Congress said, just open door, here you go. And people did it. People took advantage of it because they were allowed to. And it was perfectly within the limits of what Congress literally allowed. Uh, but now they see, well, wait a minute, we didn't, you know, there's maybe some unintended consequences. So they're going to kind of shut that back door of the backdoor IRA. I don't think we're going to see anybody genuinely harmed from this. Mm, but if you wanted to take advantage of it while it's still there, you still can. You can, but what they're going to do is make uh, have these people, these 156 people in the country, within <laughs> millions of people, uh, the 156 people that do have these excessive uh, 25 million plus um, Roth IRAs. But what they what they're going to have to do is diminish them by like 50 percent or some pro rata amount every year until until it's uh, diminished. So they're really going to do away with the mega IRA. The whole purpose of the tax savings is really. Um, not just to give a benefit to the people who really don't need it that much, but to the to to the the more like the average balance people who really need the tax breaks. Um, and so, and that's fair, you know. I mean, that's okay. Um, and I think everybody's going to be happy with that. I, as far as Roth conversions, we'll see how that goes. See, it's weird because under the at the end of the Trump administration, when we were looking at new tax provisions. The word was Rothification. They were looking at turning everything into a Roth, not saying you can't convert, but making everything a Roth. When people convert to Roth, it's a taxable event. That means that cha-ching, the government gets tax money. So they're going to have to think about it a little bit. Oh, so that might have been the motivation at the time. Yeah, yeah, to be able to, that if you have, if you go Roth, then you don't get the tax break up front. And more of that tax taxable income is going to go to the government. That's what the Rothification thing was about. And nothing happened with that one. It just died on the vine. Okay. All right. Uh, well, 
for those people who still don't have their self-directed IRA in place, um, maybe they've made, maybe someone's made a lot of money in the stock market and they want to buy real estate, but they've, you know, they've maybe got an IRA or 401k. What is your advice to them today? Oh gosh, you know, there's still, well, this is your area of expertise, but there still are deals to be found. There are always deals to be found. I know because our account holders are finding those deals and we're funding them every single day with IRA money. So I think you have to ask yourself a question. If you have retirement money, especially from a previous employer, where do you want to put that savings? In the stock market or in assets that you control, like, like the names implies you that you direct, right? Assets that, that you um, have some control over, like real estate, even precious metals, performing and non-performing debt. Um, I mean, you know, private placements too. I mean, those are still the number one asset in IRAs. So if someone has a traditional IRA, they've done really well with it, but maybe they want to take just some of that money, some of their gain and invest in real estate. I think traditionally people have, if they don't know about self-directed IRAs, they would borrow against it. Um, do you see people doing that? Just, just borrowing against it and then paying the IRA back versus getting a self-directed IRA? Yeah, it doesn't really work that way um, because, because the only money you can put into an IRA of your personal money is a contribution and contributions are capped. Like if you have a traditional a Roth and you're under 50, your cap is $6,000. If you're 50 or older, it's $7,000. So you're not going to put any more personal money into an IRA other than that. So if you want to invest in real estate, you can, and maybe you don't have enough in your IRA to fully take down a property. You can do a couple things. You can partner with someone or your IRA can borrow money. And it's not like a Fannie Freddie kind of a loan. It's not a conforming loan at all. It's a non-recourse loan, like a commercial loan. And so these lenders will actually lend money to the IRA account. And then an IRA can buy property that way. But you need to understand if you do this, um, there's a chance that the IRA could be taxed. It's not going to be income tax, uh, but it's a tax called a UDFI, Unrelated Debt Financed Income Tax. So we could talk about that in depth if you like. But the point is, if you want to buy real estate using your retirement account, you know, there's more than one way to do it. You know, you can invest with, you know, in a syndication where you're with a whole group of people. Um, just take down a property with your own retirement, you know, funds entirely. Or if you don't have the 100% partner with somebody, I take or take on, um, yeah, take on debts, take on this non-recourse debt. So lots of different ways to do it. Do you see much success where people are able to get those loans? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, it depends upon the, um, of course, the location and condition of the property, like any underwriting guideline, but mostly on the cash flow. Um, so a lot of times these underwriters want to see a, um, you know, they want to see a rental agreement before you close. They want to make sure you've got a renter. Okay. Yeah, I know that some people were trying to get loans in their IRAs and they were just having a, a bit of a, there has to be a bigger down payment too, right? I think they'll only lend around 50%. Around there, yeah, some, you yeah. know, 40 to 50%. And I'll tell you, if any of your listeners would like a list, I do have a list of non-recourse lenders. It's not necessarily people that we are endorsing or, you know, we certainly don't get paid by them, uh, but it, as a convenience. And if so, if somebody would like to email me, info at udirectdiary.com, I'll send them that list. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Sure. Okay, well, what are some success stories you can share of your clients without saying their names? What are some things that you're seeing people doing well? Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of times with real estate, what we see is somebody uh, get into a property, and this happened a lot, especially after the recession when you could get the properties 
so cheaply. But the thing of it is, is that you get a property and you get it cash flowing. And then what you can do is you can refinance a loan, a non-recourse loan in your IRA and use it to get, to acquire more property. So you can still do that. Um, and then of course, you know, and then you can continue saving. Um, but mostly the success stories, they're successful, but they're just straightforward where people invest and then they get a return, they pay their expenses and they just continue to build and build. And when they sell or like have a liquidity event, all that money goes back in their IRA, not diminished by tax. So they can take the whole thing and put it out into their next deal, you know, and just keep growing and growing without income tax. Yeah, it grows a lot faster when you don't have to pay that tax. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. But, there, but there are some things you have to be aware of. There are a lot of things you have to be aware of. Like you can't just do a flip, right? And within your IRA or, or you get taxed. Well, you can do a flip um, and that's okay. Uh, when you flip, typically like your CPA would tell you that that's active income, but if you're doing it as an investor, it's fine. Um, and that's if it's totally for investment purposes. So we know we know um, people that used to flip all the time. I mean, there was that used to be more common. But then again, if you are a professional flipper and that's your job and you've got a crew already and you flip even one house, that can be, um, that can be tossed out as a prohibited transaction that you're, you know, providing services to the plan. So if you're a professional flipper, I wouldn't put them in your IRA. But if you're truly an investor and you get a couple properties, you buy them, you rehab them a bit, or you, or you flip them over. I mean, you could do that. You could do that all day long. But you can't do any of the work. Right, right. You have to keep it arm's length, right? Because it's called an over contribution of sweat equity. How do you like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> Who comes up with these rules, right? Oh, man. Um, but like, so when you say if you're an investor, meaning you're just coordinating the teams that <clears throat> go in and do the rehab, but you can't even lift a hammer and and pound one nail in there, um, or at least don't get caught doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like the IRS are there, you know, with a camera yet. <laughs> but, but technically, really, you're not supposed to lift a finger, do any of the work if if you're using your IRA funds. You're not really, you're not supposed to. So better just not to do it, you know, just to yeah. so that you can say you're not supposed to stay in the property even one night. Technically, that's the rule. But there are things you can do. So I, let's talk about what you can do. Um, that's a little. Because you can be hands-on a little bit, little property management here. You can obviously uh, select the property. You can review and uh, select the tenants who are going to live there. You can go up to them and pick up their rent check that's made payable to the IRA. And you can hire those third-party vendors. So in essence, you can property manage your own property. You just can't get paid for it. Um, and of course, as you say, you can't you know, do the do the hammer thing or you're not going to change the... Um, the garbage disposal or something. Okay. And what are the rules work, uh, of who you can invest with, family versus friends and so forth? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole thing is kind of a game of keep away from prohibited transactions, right? Right. <laughs> you don't want to do it wrong, that's for sure. And, and that's what we do here. I mean, we talk to you, tell us about your deal. That's what we want to hear. Who's your, what's your deal? What are you doing? Who are, you, who are the principles on the matter so that we can listen for these prohibited transactions. But yeah, some people are, are disallowed to the IRA. Um, it's your ascendants and descendants, your parents and grandparents, you yourself, right? And your spouse and your children, your grandchildren. So they're disallowed. So your IRA doesn't make like, for example, a loan to your child to go to college in Barcelona. Your IRA does not uh, purchase a house from your parents. You know, so you're not buying or selling um, properties between these disallowed people. 
And, and other disallowed people could be uh, like a fiduciary, like maybe your realtor or your CPA, if, they have, if they're in the deal. And also a 50-50 business partner would also be a disallowed person. Okay. Uh, but what, and what can you invest in with your IRA? With yeah, your self-directed so, IRA. I want to be really clear that you can't just take your normal IRA and, and go buy real estate. Um, so what is the difference between just a normal IRA and a self-directed self-directed one? That is like a frequently asked question. That's a, <laughs> you know. I'm asking some basic ones here. So these are awesome because it's, it's no, but I mean, so many people don't know. So an IRA is just an IRA. It's a bucket that holds, um, you know, retirement dollars tax-free in a Roth or tax-deferred. Now, whether it's self-directed or not has to do with the asset classes that are in that bucket. So somebody who went out and got a Series 7, Series 63 license or something, you know, a 66 or something, and they are like a financial advisor, they can sell you stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. That's a typical IRA. But a self-directed IRA is alternative assets. And that's, you know, real estate and syndications, precious metals, um, again, the debt with performing and non-performing debt, or be the bank. Uh, if you have a friend, for example, who's like starting a company, because I know a lot of, you know, during uh, COVID and, and, and when everyone was shut down, we lost a lot of businesses. So people are building those businesses back and they need capital to do that. So your IRA could invest in these restarting businesses in a debt or an equity position. It's another thing that a self-directed IRA could do that a typical IRA cannot. Wow. All right. So much good stuff. All right. How can people find out more about you and uh, how to self-direct their IRAs? Well, we're all over the internet. We're on Facebook, all the social media, you know, you direct IRA. And of course our website has got so much information. I think you'd really like it. It's youdirectira.com. You can find links to all the rules and, and blog articles. In fact, some, I think you've got a couple blog articles in there about uh, defining a, an accredited investor, which is a big, big question. What is an accredited investor? Everyone wants to know. So we have a, a great selection, hundreds of blog articles too for, uh, for really any topic. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate all you do for our investors and, um, and, and counseling so many people because it is confusing and you don't want to get it wrong, right? Because that could have a, I mean, have you ever seen anyone get in trouble with the IRS when it comes to their how, prohibited transactions? That's an excellent question. You know, I've been doing this what 15 years. I a couple, like yeah. less than less than a handful of people have I seen truly get slapped with a prohibited transaction. You know, usually the IRS doesn't see them happen. Um, and and there a lot of times if somebody does them, they they will sell the asset or dissolve the asset and you know just get get rid of it. And you know, because you can't really unring a bell. But when it's a prohibited transaction, that's typically what they'll do. So a lot of people don't have the IRS tell them they committed a prohibited transaction. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. So it's not like there are a whole lot of auditors coming to see if people are um, painting their rental property themselves. <laughs> of course, you know that this uh, this Build Back Better Act also has a provision to um, fund $80 billion to the IRS so they have more uh, people out there you know, but I, they probably have bigger fish to fry. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I've heard that too. I've heard they, they generally go after the 10 million and up people, but who knows, who knows, just better to walk a straight line. Always. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, 
why not have someone else do the work for you? It's it's a better deal anyway, right? There you go. <laughs> All right, Karin, so great to have you here on The Real Wealth Show, and I hope to see you soon. Lovely. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to learn more about self-directed IRAs and real estate investing, you can find articles on our website at realwealthshow.com. It's free to join. And when you're there, you'll get access to our investor portal where you can view sample properties and connect with our network of resources, including experienced investment counselors, property teams nationwide who will help you find rental property and offer ongoing property management. And you'll get access to lenders, 1031 exchange facilitators, attorneys, CPAs, and other experts who specialize in real estate and are highly recommended by our over 60,000 members. Again, you can join at realwellshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwellshow.com.